0: Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Psalms chapter number 40. I'm just going to read the first five verses this morning as our text, and uh, we'll trust that you'll be prayerful and obedient. And pray the Word of God will help us. Grateful for the answer to prayer. As I look back, I'm grateful for those that I can see that I haven't seen. And and so thankful for God, to His mercies and His faithfulness. Um, You know, the mercies of God are hard to explain, for me anyway, uh, because it's hard to grasp the truth of grace. Um, Why God is merciful is because of grace. And so that makes... Both of those are a very difficult topic for the human brain to grasp. What we see is justice. What we want or expect is, is uh, fairness. But the truth is, if God was fair to me, I would be in hell. Right? Meaning that if I got what I deserved, I, I wouldn't be here today. I'd already be in hell. But God didn't give me what I deserved. He gave me an opportunity to experience Grace. And so I'm grateful today to be saved. And I owe it all to him. It's all about him. Psalms chapter number 40 will begin this morning at verse number 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. Death put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done and thy thoughts Which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Father, thank you for your word. I pray earnestly that you would take this vessel, that you would use it for your glory. May Christ be exalted. May we hide behind the cross as you speak clearly and authoritatively to every heart that's here. Lord, I don't know the souls of those that are here. I don't know if there's one that is lost. Lord, I pray that if there are, may the power of your holy conviction, may it bring them to that point of repentance. May they obey you and be saved. Thank you for what you're going to do as I pray for the word for the saints. We ask it earnestly in our own hearts as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. I believe that you could take the first few verses of Psalms chapter 40 and you could say that it certainly applies to a person in a very lost condition. Um, But I also believe based upon the writer of the psalm, and based upon what he said in verse number 1, that what he's referring to in Psalms chapter number 40 is the restoration of the, the wayward, the restoration of the backslid. And I want us to, to at least look at it in that light this morning and pray that if you're here and your heart's not right with God, listen, it doesn't get better until you just surrender and get right. Uh, You can justify yourself in all the ways that you live or what you do. And you can try to make those things meaningful or or purposeful or even right in your own mind. And our minds will go along with about anything. That's how weak we are. And yet the truth is is that you're not going to be right until you get right. And until we get right, we're not going to know right. We're not going to experience the joy of his salvation. Now, I certainly believe that when I got saved, he lifted me up out of a horrible pit. I believe that. I believe that when I got saved, that he, he pulled me up out of the miry clay. I believe I was bound in. But I also believe that there are certain circumstances, there are sins of this world that as Christian men and women, that when we allow ourselves to get ensnared by them, that they can hold us with the same kind of power that the pit and the clay did before. So be careful today that you don't allow yourselves to get caught into that same old trap. You see, sin doesn't change whether whether you're lost or whether you're saved. Sin is still the cause. Uh, I went just this week because I heard about uh, some folks who were struggling and I heard about this, the, the hard things that were coming to them and the the hardships that had come upon them and the great sorrow and grief that they were experiencing, and my soul went automatically to the price tag that comes with sin. And oh, how wish children that we'd all recognize how dangerous that sin is. We'd play around with it as if it it that is, as if there's no consequences to it, and yet all the while knowing that when you bring fire into the bosom, it'll burn you. Right? It has an effect. It, it cannot do but what it does. And sin is not meant for our good. It's not meant to help us. But sin is a price tag and it's costly. And sin will will do as we've all said. It'll it'll hold you longer than than you thought it could. It'll keep you longer, right? And it'll cost you more. Sin is a dangerous a dangerous thing. And I believe that we can take the word of God for the clarity here and say that sin is to blame. There are so many things in the lives of men and women today that that are costing them. And as we look around in a world that is desperate for light, it is desperate for hope, it is desperate. It is desperate to see someone that has the answer. So many are affected and ensnared by sin that they cannot even be what they've been called to be. Jesus warned of this specifically. He said that our light should be upon a candlestick. It ought to be clear and burning that as we go through this dark world, that it is constantly, I'm not talking about one day a week, but it is constantly shining a light into this world of darkness that others might see him. He said when you have a candle, you don't put it under a bushel. You don't hide it. No, he said, you put it up on a candlestick so that it might be seen. Now, the Lord said it like this. He said, those that do the works of my father, he said, they, they glorify me. And here's the important thing. When men see the works of God, then they give glory unto God and he is exalted. And may our works today do that very thing. May they show to this world that is lost that there is hope, there is hope. I realize that we we work with a lot of stubborn people, and we it seems like they just run with their heads hitting the wall all the time, and that you want to just put your arms around them and say, "Hey, if you'll just quit that for a moment, if you 'll just turn your eyes back to the cross, there's peace to be found. Uh, we can beat our heads against." of the walls of this world and we can allow sin to come into our lives and to affect us in such horrific ways and costly ways and yet all the while there is a better way if you'll just walk that way. But oh, how true it is as the old prophet of God that, that said when you found the old paths to walk therein, you'll read in that very next verse that the Bible said, but they would not. They would not. And so today we simply compel, we simply preach the same truth, the same word over and over, that there's a better way. There's a better way. Let me be clear. I'm not trading. Not with anyone. I I don't want what you have. I've got one hope, and it's not in this world. The only one that can keep me from sin is him. My flesh is prone to it. My flesh is still flesh. But all the psalmists would write that his word would be a lamp unto my feet and allied into my path. And he said, "Thou, I'll hide his words in my heart that I will, shall not sin against God. Oh, how important it is for us children to be holy, to be godly, to admit when we fail and to quickly repent of sin and turn from it, to allow God to purge us and to cleanse us. Here we find, I believe, the psalmist has He writes from a similar condition. It's not unlike, uh, or it's not like the psalmist David was, was immune from sin or the cost or the price of it. He knew as well as anyone what sin could cost him. He experienced the pain and the horror of sins Christ had. I believe he writes here as he comes on the other side of such an experience. And he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. I say to you today that there are times when we pray unto God. I remember times in my own life where I had grown indifferent toward God and had become backslid is what we call it. We simply have turned our head a different way. We've hardened our hearts. We've, We've yielded ourselves to the world and the things of this world and we tend to start reaping what we sow. And in that reaping, we find that there's even a more hardness and a coldness that will come in. And before you know it, you'll find yourself out of church and unwilling to listen to anything that has to do with God It, it begins to affect your heart and your mind soon to follow and before you know it you've become so indifferent and cynical and pessimistic and hateful and all of these things are simply the outpouring it is the consequences of sinfulness in our lives and yet what David said was when I got to the end of myself I realized that what I had to do was to turn back to God I had to ask him to forgive me I had to cry unto the Lord I had to speak his name And repent of my sins And he said when I did so I waited patiently for the Lord I waited for the Lord. How many times have we gotten on our knees? And we didn't didn't finish before we had got up. We didn't mean business when we knelt down. We didn't accomplish the task that was at hand. Listen to me. If all you need, friend, is some spare tire to get you out of trouble, may I say to you today, you've picked the wrong God. What he requires today is that your heart be changed. We have to be made different in Christ. Oh, even for the saint of God today that'll find themselves ditched by the things of this world and the sin of this life. They find themselves in a terrible condition of sinfulness. We find the misery that comes along with it. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord well oh, there 's ever been a time when you prayed and you wondered if he was going to answer you you ever had those times in your lives when you sinned again you did that same thing that you told him you wouldn't do you you've done that same same miserable thing that you said i won 't do it again i'm Turning from it and yet every one of us have been in that place where we found ourselves weeping before God because the consequences of our sinfulness had found us out you can be certain of this friend that God knows what we do he knows what we think, he knows how we live and what we see and what we do, for God knows all of these things David said, I waited patiently for the Lord. Waited for him. How many of us are waiting? Waiting for the Lord to answer our prayer. He inclined unto me, though. He inclined unto me and he heard my cry. Oh, I can say I couldn't count the times. <laughs> Verse number five speaks of it. I couldn't count the times that he's responded in mercy to me how many times that the blood of Jesus covered all of my sin, you see. The truth is, is that every time that I go to him, it's not a question of whether my sin has been forgiven. My sin was covered by, by the blood, Past, present, and future. Everything that I know was covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. But there is an important part here to the communion and fellowship that I have with God. I cannot live in sin. And the Bible said, he said, if we continue in sin, he will not hear us. I believe David was at that place. I believe he had found himself finally yielding and repentant toward God and as he began to cry out unto God, would he recognized that the Lord was listening? And David said, I waited. I waited. Let me tell you something, it's worth waiting for. There have been times when it seemed like I had to pray more than once. And also remember those times where it didn't even take a word. I just bowed and wept and it was gone. Amen. But all the times where I've had to wait on His spirit, right? Because you really don't know, do you? Right? You pray the prayer and you believe in your heart and you repent with your soul. But there's times, friend, when when what you really need is the spirit of God to reveal unto you that all is well. And until that spirit comes, it is not well, is it? For the child of God today, it is not well. If we have sinned, And when that sin has been forgiven and when we've yielded up unto God from a true heart, here's what I can tell you. The spirit of God will come. It will come if you'll do that. But don't you wonder sometimes if God's not checking us, if God's not testing our repentance, if God's not if God's not weighing in the balance what we have what we have repented of, and have we whether our heart was true and whether we have really turned, how many times does God wait for just a second as we're tested and as our faith is tried and as we're brought nearer unto God? David said, I know what this is like. I know what it's like to hate yourself for sin, to despise what you've done, and to regret and to hold against yourself the sin of this world that may I say to you today your God will hear. Amen. He said I just kept waiting. Well, oh, he said I waited patiently. May I say what else can I do? There ain't but one thing that makes it better. When you've been in sin when you've lived in sin and we all oh, have. Right? There's nobody exempt from this when we've lived in sin and when our heart has become indifferent toward god and we have uh, we have violated the that we've trespassed against the, the laws of God all the times when we come before God and we say in a in a, in a true and a repentant heart, I'm sorry, and we turn from that and we, we turn toward God and we begin to seek God. Oh, how great it is when the Spirit of God comes in our heart and when it reveals that there ain't anything, friend, that will help you like the Spirit of God. What you need today, amen, if you've been on your knees, and you've called out unto God if you're waiting patiently I know what you're waiting for what you're waiting for is the Holy Spirit of God to come back what David prayed in another place He he said renew within me a right spirit restore unto me the joy of thy salvation renew within me a right spirit Create within me, he said, a clean heart. I waited patiently for the Lord. But listen to what he said. But he said, he inclined unto me. Oh, may I say that the attributes of God are faithfulness. The very proof in in God's character is in his faithfulness to you and I. Right? He has every right not to hear me. Every reason to turn a deaf ear. And yet the Bible said when we would come with a broken heart and a contrite spirit that he would in no wise cast us out. We've all been there. We've all been there when we prayed and prayed and yet there was just something we were holding on to. There was one thing that we were trying to hold back from God. Do you know today that God doesn't negotiate with sin? He doesn't compromise with your life nor mine. He won't let one thing slide. He won't let one thing go. Listen, if you're holding on to anything, we need to repent. And there's no question about it. But you'll need to give it all to God, not a part. Waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me, and He heard my cry. I think every one of us today that's been saved any amount of time would have to say, "I've been there." I've been there, I've been there where I had to just wait. Right? I'd prayed the prayer and I'd called on God and I'd made my vow. And I just had to wait. You know, it seems like that's the longest of times. But then he would come. See it's the Holy Spirit. Let me say to you today that if you think you can live a Christian life without the presence of the Holy Spirit, you are wrong. You can't make it not one day without the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you expect to be holy, it will take walking in that spirit and denying your own flesh. Here's what he said in verse number 2. He said, you see, I had got myself in something I couldn't get out of. That's what a pit is. Now, now we might think of it in different terms, but back then, the pit was purposeful, right? They had a reason for a pit, right? When you put something in the pit, it wasn't meant to walk, come out, right? Its walls were straight up, right? They weren't angled so something could climb out. It was a pit, and therefore, its purpose was to hold what it had ensnared. It would hold that animal there until somebody got there and, kill that thing, pull it out and eat it or whatever they were doing with it. It was a horrible pit. I'll tell you right now, sin is horrible. And buddy, it's a pit. I think that was the best way to describe it. to so go ahead and throw it out there. It is a pit. i tell you, when you fall into the pit, you don't get out by yourself. You need some help. They tickled me to death all week long. We had had the grandkids with us, and Scarlett's learned to word. Help. <laughs> every puma, help me. <laughs> I thought to myself, that's just the way I am. <laughs> I get into a pit, and you know what? I can't get out. Let me warn you today that sin is a pit. It's a horrible pit. Oh, how it likes to cover itself up, right? How it likes to disguise itself and camouflage itself and to keep you, uh, keep you blind to its its cost and its danger. But that's what the pit is. It wants to fool you. It wants to lead you down that trail. He wants to bring you into that very area where when you step into that, you find there's no bottom and you suddenly go down into the pit. Your enemy today is a roaring lion, friend, and he understands what sin is all about. That's the very thing he's using to siphon the power of the people of God out of the church is he's using sinfulness. Sin that is present in our lives that we don't deal with. Sin is a horrible pit. You don't get out of sin by yourself. You fall into the pit, that horrible pit, you'll stand there looking up the sides of those those walls realizing that there's no ladder. There's no mechanism. There is nothing in the pit itself. That can help you get out of it. You realize, friend, that sin today has nothing to offer you as far as a remedy. It is only the disease. There is nothing within the consequences or the bonds of sin, friend, that will ever provide to you the cure for the sickness that it's causing. It's a horrible pit. David said, "That's where I was." He said, I found that the sin that I had committed against God and against Uriah and against Bathsheba, the sin that I had committed against God, he said it was a pit. I couldn't get out of that pit. And we know. They're in there. We love them. They're in the pit. You can't get out of the pit on you. What David said was, he said, I waited patiently. Remember, old Joseph, it was in the pit. David was in the pit. Sin had put him there. <laughs> oh, Jonah. Sin took Jonah right into the mouth of that well, until the bottom of the earth, that thing swam. And there he said that by reason of mine affliction, I cried. From the belly of hell. You know what Jonah knew? Jonah knew I can't get out of here. I cannot get out of this pit. Was Jonah God's man? And yet he was in a pit that he could not get out of. Oh, David said it's a horrible pit. It's a horrible pit. You see, in the pit, I'm by myself. I no one to help me in the pit. Well, I'm not by myself in my sin. I'm with some... No, when you fall in the pit, you're by yourself. Now, they might be falling into a pit of their own, but you'll be by yourself. Ain't anybody in this world, friend, that can get you out of the pit. Oh, how horrible the pit is. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been in the pit? We seemed like for days. You cried, "Help me, help me!" But was all just in time when our hearts have met the condition of true repentance—right, broken and contrite. There is no other way to repent, and God accepted. Broken and contrite, we begin to cry unto the Lord. Here's what I can tell you. He's coming to get you out of the pit. I don't know how many times that I got out of the pit not by trying to climb the walls but by trying to get lower. To get all the way to the bottom. And then somebody, that's what he's going to say in verse number three. He's going to tell you how he got out of the pit. Verse number two, he said, he lifted me up out of a horrible pit. You understand what took place there? David did not fix his problem. God did. Amen. David's problem was he was in the pit of sin. He was bound by what he had done, by what he had, 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 had said and had thought. These were the things that brought him low. And yet what we find is when he cried unto the Lord, that the Lord heard him. The Lord inclined unto him. And he came to David when he was in the middle of, of, of this place where he could not get out of. Now, now he was a child of God. If we we take in context Psalms chapter 40, it ain't talking about a lost man. It's talking about a man that understands the importance of prayer. A man that says, I'm going to wait patiently on the Lord. That ain't a lost man. He don't understand that truth yet. But a person that's been there, a person that understands the consequences of sin, they understand that it's because of my sin that I'm here. He said, he, he he lifted me up out of the pit. It fell into a great pit, and the pit you can't get out of. And he said, the only way I got out of the pit was him. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He got me out of the pit. you'd think I was a designer of a pit. I've been in it, right? There's a lot of us have been in the pit so much we can tell you whatever in the thing looks like. But I can also tell you that it, when it's sin, there's just one prayer to be prayed. Help me. I'm sorry. Get me out of this pit. I feel like he ought to just made me with a big loop on my shoulder so he would just snatch me up easier. You know what a pit looks like, don't you, Paul? We've been in that pit. I may say to you, I don't like it. I've never found one comfortable thing in a pit. It's all corners. You understand that you, to really be comfortable, you will need something round. There ain't nothing round in the pit. It's all corners. He lifted me up out of the pit. David said, it was like being in the miry clay. But no, I realize some of you here, today may not get out in the mud, right? You may not even own boots. But when you get in something that's really muddy, I don't care whether you're in, in your own treads or you're using your vehicle's treads, you can get stuck. You can get in a place that you can't get out of. Right? I, I remember walking through a, a mud, I guess it was about that deep, but there's that old clay sticky mud and I had tennis shoes on. When I came out the other side, I didn't know where they went. <laughs> it took something from me to get out. But the clay he's talking about is, is a clay that, that holds you. It's, it's a sticking that keeps you from going any farther. It's it's got holding power. And listen, as long as you're going to live in sin, you're going to find out that that it's some sticky stuff. Right? It don't turn loose. Right? It, It won't get better. But what he said was, he lifted me up out of the horrible pit and he also lifted me out of The miry clay, just two ways that the psalmist described it. We all have our our own ways of describing the consequences of sin. But here's the bottom line. When When you find yourself in sin, you can't fix yourself. What you've got to have is help. He lifted me up out of the pit. I couldn't get out of it. He pulled me out of the miry clay. I couldn't get out of it. And let me tell you what he's done for me. Right? So many times. The Bible said that he lifted me up out of those things and then he set me on a rock. Amen. Now You know what the good thing about a rock is? Right? You can't get stuck on it. There ain't no sticky clay. There ain't any miry clay on the rock, right? There's no sin on the rock. The consequences of sin have been have been removed. They've been expelled. You've been pulled out of it and set on something that is hard and firm. It is something that is steadfast and sure. He set my feet upon a solid rock, and and then David said, and then he. Then he established my goings. Now, how'd you get into the pit? You was going somewhere you shouldn't have been going. Right? You was going down a trail you shouldn't have been on. How'd you get in the miry clay? You refused to look at the direction you were heading and you kept going toward the clay. And once you got in, you were stuck. He said, he's lifted me up out of that. He set my feet on a solid rock. He's given me a sure footing in where I'm, and then he established my direction. Let me say to you today that God doesn't ever pull anybody out of the pit, that he doesn't also give them firm foundation and direction to go. Right? God just doesn't set you up there flapping your arms like a wounded duck and then just set you out there, now let me see what you'll do. He knows what you'll do. No, what the Lord does is He inclines unto us and He hears our prayer and He lifts us up out of there. He cleans that off of us and sets us on sure ground. And then He says, "Now walk this way." He's not hiding it, is He? Right? The Word of God is not being hid from us. No, He has established my goings. He said, "No, walk this way." It's when I walk another way, you see, that I fall into the pit or I get into the clay and I can't get out. Let me finish. Verse number four. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust. Instead of trusting the things of this world, I believe what he was saying was it's important for us to, to trust in him to recognize that he has established my goings. He has made for me the path. Now, the path may not, may not be the one of least resistance. No, that, that's the one that always leads to the pit, to the clay. No, he set for me a path, but that path will always be sure footing. That path will always be the direction to go. He said, blessed is that man that learns to trust God in what he said. Trust in the direction that he has given us. He established my goings. I'm going to have to trust him with that. I'm going to have to trust him that this direction that he has given me, even though I can't see what's on the other end of it, that he's already ordained it for me. He established it for me. He created a path that I am supposed to walk in preacher, I I don't know that I have a purpose for God. Let me tell you something. If you're born again, you've got a purpose for God. If you're born again, there is a reason for you to exist every day until you leave this world. And I can assure you that the path he puts you on, that is the path that that is established for your going. That is the path that you're supposed to walk in. David said, blessed is that man that, That makes his trust, right? That learns to trust in the direction that the Holy Spirit is giving, right? When your flesh says, no, go that way, that's easier. No, do this, that would be easier. That's simpler. Look, you can see that's an easier way. But the truth is, is we all know that there's a pit in there somewhere. There is miry clay just around the corner that you will get into that you can't get out of. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. I'm telling you right now, the enemy is a liar and his path is wrong. The way of the enemy is always to the clay or the pit. Verse number five, many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done. And this is true. There is nothing greater, there's nothing more wonderful, there's nothing more more holy or wondrous than than the path that he has established for you. What's that path today? For you and I, what is that path that he has chosen for us? Are we walking in it? Right? He said, when you found the old path, he said, walk therein. Don't try another path. Don't don't go another route. You're going to find yourself in the pit, in the clay. No, he said, get on on the path. Trust the Lord and and see if he doesn't have many wonderful works. And thy thoughts, he said, which are to us, they cannot be reckoned up in order. Right? He said, I can't number them. I can't even order them. They're so many and they're so wondrous and they're so good. He said, those wondrous things that you do for me day after day, why in the world would I want to go the way of the pit? And yet we do. Come get a song if you would. We've got people today that are, that are bound. They're in a a place that they can't get out of. If it was simply about, you know, manning up, doing my own thing, right? Better attitude. And I wouldn't need Jesus. It'd be about what you can do. But the truth is, is that you can't get out of the pit yourself. When you fall in it, it's just like starting over because you've got to be rescued again. just like when he saved you, right? He pulled you up out of that horrible pit that you were in. The difference between me and, and the rest of the world that, that's lost is that somebody pulls me out of the pit every time. Just keeps rescuing me. Out of the miry clay. Oh, he said, Lord, how wonderful your works are to us. And your thoughts to us are so wondrous. I, I, I can't even number how many times he's rescued me. The world is still trapped, and the only way out is through Jesus, right? It's the only way out. But for the saved person, as I think the psalmist was showing us, in these first five verses, for the saved person, ultimately, we can fall back into the pit. It doesn't mean that I, that I had to get saved again. What it meant was, is that he had to get me back out. And he had to set my feet back in that path and say, go this way. How long will it be before we just start walking in the path that he establishes? People need help today. We need help. All of us need help. I patiently waited for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. And that's the promise we have from from our Father. He'll get you out of the pit. When we repent, when our hearts are broken and contrite, and we confess our sin, David said, "I, I prayed. I sought God with all my heart, and he heard me. He lifted me up out of that pit. He pulled me out of that miry clay, set my feet on a solid rock, and he established my going. He made for me a way. And I need to walk in that way. I need to walk in that way. And when I fall into the pit, I just need to start crying out. Get me out. Help me. Help me out of the pit. Right? Don't wander around inside that thing. It won't do you a bit of good. You have got to go to Jesus. I don't know where you're trying to find relief today, but it will not be found in this world. If you're in the pit, if you are bound today by the miry clay, there's only one that can save you, only one that can help you. There's only one that can restore what the enemy's taking. Stand as we sing. If you're here this morning in need